This is the Smoking Guns Podcast. No G with a Z. P-O-D. Welcome everyone, San Antonio Gunslingers fans, San Antonio Pro Football fans. We are a podcast about pro football, specifically pro football in San Antonio. And this week was a tough pill to swallow for us. This is Leo, your friendly neighborhood fat guy who's hosting uh, this episode of The Smoking Guns, and I am joined by Ralph Judkins. How you doing, folks? I'm wearing black, and you know why. <laughs> yep. Ralph, our, our buddy who's filled in with us uh, a few times uh, to date, um, when we've had some some people missing. Philip Pickenbotham, usual uh, host of the show, usual guy in the mic in charge, uh, traveling family obligations today, so may be with us here at some point. Uh, just hop in for a few minutes, but he cannot be with the, us for the duration of the show. Um, R.C. Woods as well. Uh, actually, she was on a little while ago and I think was having technical difficulties, just like uh, I was for a second. So apologies for the delay. But hello, we are here. We are here to talk about as Jamar Washington says, not the outcome we wanted, but glad we didn't go out like Orlando. <laughs> if we're going to look at a silver lining, I guess that's one. What do you think, Ralph? I mean, at least we didn't go out in that fashion that bad. What was the final score in that game? Like 56 to 16, something along those lines? Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to look it up. I haven't even watched it. I was joking around with uh, Jim on Inside the Walls on his podcast before the game. And I said, yeah, well, you know, uh, uh, Prince, Darius Prince is going to have to have a big game. And he did. He debuted at quarterback. And how bad does it have to be to have your number one receiver being the guy throwing the ball? Because now who's he going to throw it to? Uh, <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was just, wow. Throw it to yourself. <laughs> yeah, all, all wheels had completely fallen off the Predators. Uh, let's take a look here real quick just to recap the final. I'm sure other people would be a little quicker on the trigger. But That was 62 it, to 18, by the way. Yes. Oh. Yeah, it yep. was it was yep. harsh. Sixty-two to eighteen, absolutely yuck. Yeah. <clears throat> so Jacksonville will be hosting the NAL championship next week, um, being visited by, of course, uh, the detested, the hated Carolina Cobras. Yeah, but you got to respect them. No, can, yeah, respected can, for sure, but hated yeah. nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> You could you you can have those hand in hand. You can have someone's uh, hatred and respect at the same time, which uh, for sure, um, you got to respect a team that can go and de and defeat another team uh, three times in a row. Uh, the most important game, of course, this last one, um, and that's what we're here to talk about. Unfortunately, not the outcome that we wanted. Um, <clears throat> Apologize for my voice. I am not feeling my best today. I'm not 100%. Um, As you should be. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, even besides that. But, yes, you're right. As we should be. You are, you had some travel because you were actually at the game, Ralph. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to get 
uh, two different perspectives of reactions to what was happening on the field. One from here in San Antonio at the watch party, which I was at versus um, in Greensboro in the snake pit um, as you were watching it unfold before your very eyes. Um, what, what was it like there? What was the atmosphere like, Ralph? Uh, for me personally, gut-wrenching. I, I was feeling sick to my stomach the whole time, very, very nervous. Uh, the atmosphere itself was pretty good, but it seems to me that Carolina's not drawing like they should be. I mean, that was a playoff game, and it looked a little better than the other crowds. They were loud, but it's a big place. But there were there were a lot of people there were a lot of people there, and they were cheering. And the PA announcer guy was definitely egging them on to make noise. And I think the people in Carolina don't need a lot of egging on. Uh, mm. Loud and obnoxious, but it it was. <laughs> I, I was sitting in the upper deck, wearing all red, and I had people on my left and right commenting stuff, and I was telling them and. It, it, it was a great place. If you've never been to Greensboro, if you've never been to Carolina, they're as friendly as Texans are. And that's saying something because we know Texans are pretty darn friendly. Yes. Very concerned about hospitality. The, the staff in the Greensboro Coliseum, the ushers, very secure place, very friendly when you get in. But it's the only place I've ever been to where the security guards check the bags of the players as they're heading into the locker room. They're very serious about security in Greensboro. Wow. Even the players, yes. Uh, that is surprising. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about I, – I do see this comment here from Kerry. And, and I, I think that is an important point because we'll get to this in a moment as the big picture here uh, from Kerry Bryant-White, what happened halfway through the season, undefeated to four straight losses. That is the reality that Gunslingers Nation, that the Gunslingers uh, posse, uh, the, both the organization and uh, the fans are facing right now. Um, and... And yeah, there's a lot of questions to be answered and a lot to kind of speculate on and wonder. But uh, this game was just kind of the icing on the cake, if you will. But I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this, Ralph. I don't know what it was like there in in the uh, the Coliseum there in Greensboro. I can tell you from the watch party that there was a sense of what it what is it that we're seeing here what is going on midway through the game and um there were some fans that that left early uh i think the gunslingers did a good job of keeping the game within reach they were within striking distance up into the fourth quarter uh despite some of the things and the question marks. And I will admit, I was one of the ones that was yelling at the top of my voice and, and wondering and uh, what, what it was that's going through. Uh, obviously, I'm talking about Coach Shaw's head when he made some of these decisions because he's the guy ultimately caused the shots. Uh, going back and watching the game, 
uh, I think I answered part of it to myself anyways. And, and I, I, I will start off right there because I, I got a lot of messages, a lot of uh, people wondering as RC, the lovely RC Woods. Hey, RC. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> when technology doesn't work, it really doesn't work. Yes. Yes. Um, as RC joins us, thank you. We're talking about uh, our reactions to the game here, RC. Um, okay. uh, Ralph from being actually at the game in the Coliseum and ourselves that were at the watch party. And I'm just going to go straight to the elephant in the room that everyone was messaging, questioning, wondering about, uh, complaining about stomping their feet. Let's just get it out of the way. Very few times in football history will you witness a team uh, once, twice, and three times consecutively attempt an onside kick. Oh, with you know, no no successful results. I might add, very few times have you seen that. I don't know if I've ever seen it, and it it equated to a lot of frustration from the fans watching the game at the uh, at the the watch party, myself included. I will admit. However, and I'm going to jump right into this, and people are going to disagree with me, and I know, but you cannot go out and praise one coach for doing something one week and saying, man, that was a stroke of genius, as one of the members of our podcast did, mm -hmm. and then the following week want to uh, hold another coach accountable and say, how dare you for doing the exact same thing? Well, I'll, I'll jump right into that. The first onside was a, almost an exact mirror of what Carolina did to us as far as the timing with about six minutes left before the half. And it played out exactly like Coach Shaw needed. Now, you got to remember, I, I know we don't like seeing onsides, but here's two things to note. We started trailing when we did not score in the opening drive. And as Philip Barnett says in the comment, we yep. were trying to get that back. And we were, tra we were chasing the game or in trail pretty much the whole game and looking for those opportunities. Now, it's incredibly appropriate that Philip Barnett is on here because he was the guy that was gophering those. And he had a shot at every single one. Drew yeah. Pearson put the ball on the dime. We had the first bounce was perfect. Carolina was not in a position to cover. We had a shot at those. We did. And we were... We one bounce, a quarter a second away from recovering all three of those. It was very, very close. And because we are chasing, we have to gamble. It's, it's the opposite of baseball. A team that's ahead in baseball can take chances. The team that's trailing cannot. In an arena football, the team that's trailing has to go out and take chances to make another opportunity. And if it doesn't work out, you look kind of stupid but you have to, otherwise, okay, we're, what do you want them to do? We're just going to sit back and, and, and just wait to lose? The gunslingers never gave up. Right. The, the first That's half true. was a little rough. Uh, whatever Harvell Nelson had been dealing with, apparently it was an injury. Uh, he looked 
not so solid in the first couple possessions, but whoa crud. In the second and the third, he was getting on the mark on the dime. And it was only late in the game where we're really trying to catch up. We're now down by two possessions, two scores, that we started to see the return of the duck. And I I got to think that just might have been strained because Arvell takes this so personally. He is a leader. He takes it upon himself to try to make this happen. And the pain on his face every single time is very, very real. And, yeah. okay, Raul, maybe so, maybe that, that was the other decision, that the, other, that the decision was to not throw it on the defense. And the defense actually was playing better than it had played in the previous three games. Yep. They, For those, they were giving us a chance, but get to third down, get to fourth down, and get called for a penalty that penalty. was, uh, yeah. So, so, so to clarify for those that are listening and not watching live, that are listening to the recorded thing later, Raul Nava chimes in and says, earlier he chimed in also and says uh, that the team, you could take those onside kicks from a perspective that the, that the team didn't trust its defense. And then, and then he furthers his argument here, saying we weren't that far behind to gamble as much. Let the defensive coordinator and the defense do their thing. Now I get that, and that's that's honestly what I like. I admitted it earlier. I was of that contingent of people mm-hmm. that was not understanding the need to go for the onside kicks at those at that point, especially in that many consecutive uh, uh, kicks. But going back and watching this. I have to step back a little bit. Now, the first one, I will give, okay, that's Coach Shaw taking a risk at a good time in the game. It almost converted. As you said, Philip Barnett was an inch away of collecting that ball before it hits the before it hits the wall and taking it the other way for a score. You know, uh, they had to review the play and verify that it did, in fact, hit the wall, and they called the ball out, and Cobras re- retained possession. First and down it took a that. long time for that too. Yeah, it, it was it was that close, and so you know, you can't fault them for for trying at that time, especially being down. Uh, you know, uh, having to get a possession in your favor, knowing that Carolina is going to get the ball first in the second half. Now, the second one is the one that I'm really talking about here. When you when you call that first onside kick, there you don't six- know what. You don't know what's going to happen after that. You don't know. You're going to let the game play out and see what happens now. Circumstance, as you were just saying, Ralph, I believe, circumstance is what caused Coach Shaw to call that at that particular time. Not because he was dead set on, oh, I'm going to try another onside kick because I believe we can convert, although I'm sure he did. But the very the, the very same thing was done um, by Coach James Fuller of the Cobras the week before. With mm-hmm. 55 seconds left, they're kicking off, and what do they do? They do an onside kick, which the gunslingers recover, and that's hailed as strategy. Well, he's trying to get the ball quickly to the gunslingers. If the gunslingers are going to score, they're going to score it, score very quickly because they have a very short field, which will give the, the Carolina Cobras an opportunity to take the field, to take the ball down the field with a uh, limited time, but in arena football, you can score very fast and get the last score of the half. 
That's exactly what Coach Shaw was trying to do in this situation. I'm sure of it going back and watching that. And unfortunately, it didn't work out because, again, kudos to Coach Fuller. Understanding the situation, understanding uh, the the way to manage the clock, uh, was able to score but not quite as quickly as probably the gunslingers wanted them to or thought they would. And, and left them virtually no time to get that last score in. Well, uh, I, I got to I gotta go back and look at what actually happened. What Coach Shaw was in a no-lose situation. You kick the ball with six minutes left onside. You recover it. It recovers that lost possession that they lost initially and turns the entire game around. Now, the second kick, which is the one that will be the most questionable, we didn't get about. that recovery. We did have Carolina score, and then we answered with a score. At that point, our offense was looking pretty good, and Carolina wasn't really stopping us at scoring. So it was extremely unexpected, and he was hoping to just – we needed a break. We needed something to go our way, and we, we did not get that one. Had we gotten it, sure, there was enough time to score. Unfortunately, one-minute special timing rules, they were able to score, and that made uh, the the greater amount of separation. So, again, what are you here to do? You are on the road. You are the skipper of a team that needs one win to advance, has lost twice in a row to these guys. You do the same old, same old, they're going to criticize you for not being imaginative. They're going to criticize you either way. You're the head coach of a football team. How do you want to go down? Do you want to go down just by slowly letting them bleed you to death? Or are you going to go down fighting? And that's what Fred Shaw was looking to do. Okay, we didn't get the result we wanted, so we're criticizing him. If we'd won the darn thing, we'd be calling him a flipping genius. True. Yeah, but I, I, I agree with what you're, what you're saying, Ralph. Um, so the, the, second, the second onside kick obviously doesn't work. And you go into the half down, but still within striking distance. I think I think it was a four point lead at that point. Despite all of that, you're only down four coming into the second half. So then they kick their third consecutive on the kickoff, their third consecutive uh, onside kick, which of the three was probably the the worst executed one. I will I will say not that any of them were poor. They had a shot at it. But of the three, that was the one. Now, if, if you're going to question one, that would be the one that I would question. But to your argument, you're on the road, playoff games, you know, playoff game, your your season's life you're is trailing. on the line. You're trailing. Yes, you're trailing. Your back's to the ropes. You have to take some chances. And that's the chance he made, he, he took. And and to Raul's point about trusting the defense, you could argue the, the opposite and say, Coach Shaw is trusting his defense that even on a short field, they're going to make it difficult uh, for the Carolina Cobras to score or they're going to get that stop that they need. They didn't. And and the funny thing, Leo, none of that would have mattered because in the third quarter, we get an amazing interception and a touchback in the end zone, and scoring there would take us from trailing to being in the lead. That's how close we were, despite three onside kicks not being recovered. 
We had a chance. And between a sack and a penalty, it just did not come to be. There was a comment earlier about not scoring on that turnover. There was a typo in that. Yes. It, uh, was that Raul who said that? Uh, no. I'm, no, I think it was James. might have been James Palmer. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and I, I do want to get to that as well. And that, that was, to me, uh, the turning point. Because unlike other games against Carolina, it was there. It was ours for the taking in that moment. I felt if this is going to be, it's going to happen right now. And when it didn't happen, that, that took a lot of energy out of me. But I'm sure it also just sinking feeling in the gut on the entire bench of the gunslingers in that yep. moment. So to read James Palmer's, for those that are listening and not watching, his comment here, to me it wasn't even the onside kicks that I'm questioning a lot. of. It's the play calling, first drive of game, and I'm especially after the interception we got. So he's talking, he's saying some of the play calling, but he's specifically talking about the, the drive after we get the stop with Darius Banks getting the interception in the end zone and that's the stop we need. At that point, I believe we're down five. I think it was five. But we, we're able to take the lead if we can score on that possession. That was the stop that we needed. Um, and it, it's it's right here. From from one of the players himself, Philip Barnett joining us. Thank you, Philip, for being with us. It's yeah, not all, you, Philip. It's, it's not all on coaching. It's a team. We didn't play well enough to win. It's execution is what he's saying. The team has to execute uh, what's out there on the field. Now, I will talk specifically about that drive because I agree with you 100%, Ralph. That drive was the turning point of the game. That was, the, that was when the game was within reach where the gunslingers could either snatch it away or fumble Give it, it away. away. Yes. And what we had was first down, a mishandled snap which Arvell Nelson did all he could to just get that snap back in under control and die for it and, and, and gain a yard on it. But it was a mishandled snap. That happens. That's execution. Second down was a batted ball on, uh, by the defensive, uh, a defensive lineman. So he, he's throwing a ball to a, a short route, trying to get some yards. Um, and defensive lineman gets his paw up there and bats the ball down. That happens as well. Again, execution. Is it a bad play call? I don't know. Not I never at all. Got to see, I never got to see the play develop because the ball didn't get past the line of scrimmage but, because but of a play the defensive player made. Were doing. What the gunslingers were doing is what was working. What we complained about, don't go with the long ball. Let's get the yards after catch. Well, I don't know if uh, Coach Shaw is listening to that. I doubt it. But he was executing it, and that's exactly what we were doing. Our scoring drives, we were controlling things and letting uh, Khalil Rashad, letting Kadir mm -hmm. Chisholm, letting uh, Philip Barnett catch the ball on the wall and see if they could make something off of the screen. And that was working, and that was mm -hmm. going to be another one. Yes. Then came the sack. Yes, third down comes the sack, which – Offensive line got blown up by uh, Robinson, number 98. Uh, can't yeah, think of his first name. Yeah, he turned inside Joshua and had an inside route. It, to Nelson's credit, he saw it was coming and didn't try to do anything crazy, silly, stupid with it. Wanted yeah. to live for another down because 
we can. This is arena ball. But on that last one, I think that was one of those calls that we didn't get uh, when it came to pass interference. That on fourth, I don't know. It looked it looked pretty obvious to me that uh, I can't remember who the receiver was was drilled in the back before the ball arrived, and we did not get the call. Could it be That's, the officials were ticked at how hard Fred Shaw was was rat nagging and riding them? Uh, that could have been it. Makeup, right uh, there, right it, there. So I would I would hope the league was more professional than that with the, with their officials. This was a playoff game. I'm going on a rant here right now, Leo. I'm really fired up because we got nothing left to lose because it's over. Mm-hmm. But for crying out loud, this was a playoff game. Could you league at least? For the two playoff games, kind of get a crew together that's called this game before, because there were officials out there I'd never seen. I just had never seen, and even if even in general football rules, you get contact before the play, you drill somebody before the ball gets there, you call it, and we just didn't get it. We did not get the calls. We had one pass interference that kind of went our way that Hobbs got away with, but there were more the other way, and you can't let the refs beat you. You can't put yourself in a position where the refs beat you, but they sure as heck did not happen. And, Carrie, you're absolutely correct. I saw her early. I'd never seen her before as an official. Uh, She was out there for a reason, and head of officiating sanctioned her to do the job. Uh, yep. there, there have been, there have been female officials. I think, uh, the NFL had, uh, more than one this year. Uh, so it's, it's becoming a thing. Yep. Ralph referring to Carrie's comment, asking about the female official out there. The first time she had witnessed a female official in an NAL, NAL game, and she has been to a lot of games. So a lot. <laughs> yes. Um, to your point, Ralph, yes, that third down play was followed by the fourth down uh, play that ended up in a somehow missed obvious P.I. call, which uh, I think was I, – I could be wrong because I'm watching you know remotely, but that yeah. seemed to trigger Coach Shaw. That seemed to kind of get him out of his zone – where he's coaching and not running more on emotion than on the X's and O's. Um, and that became key later on down the road. Um, and then in desperation, he throws a flag to challenge in the hopes of getting an illegal defense, because I'm guessing you can't challenge pass interference no. because no, it, can't. yeah, you can't. So, so he's hoping to at least get an illegal defense call to get that fourth play, fourth down play back, knowing that this is a critical, critical moment in the game. Of you course, they go in and that flag came out. You yeah. saw how fast that came out. It was there was an instant decision. Coach Shaw had recognized at that moment that this was the game. This was the Gunslingers New Orleans Saints moment in a critical moment, not getting what we felt was an obvious call. And in that yeah. moment, it's like, okay, he's got nothing to lose. This is fourth and season. This is fourth and everything. And we have to try everything, every single thing we can do. And now you're trailing, yeah, and after the next score, now you're trailing by two possessions late in the game. 
and things getting even more desperate because yep. you're needing – I mean, when was the last time we got an interception? Right. I can't uh, even remember. So at least two or three games ago. It's been that long. Yeah. It was been that many weeks. We stopped expecting them. Arthur Hobbs nearly had one earlier in the game, and he was mad at himself for not making it. But Banks pulled that ball, great hands off the wall, and hallelujah, we got an interception. We got a turnover, not on downs, which is something that has not been coming our way in the second nope. half of the season. And so we're feeling, is this the moment? But when it has happened, the gunslingers haven't capitalized. And that's been the result for a couple of games now. So in a situation like this where, I mean, as frustrating as it was, that entire drive, I wish we could have had a mulligan on because it was, you know, a mishandled snap, uh, a batted ball at the line, um, a sack uh, on a blown uh, – uh, blocking by the offensive line and making a play uh, by the defense. And then you have what probably should have converted. And look, we have drawing us here. Hey. Philip jumping in probably what you should have converted and kept you alive, but there's a no call and there's nothing you can do about it. And, and at this point it's, it's, as you say, desperation time, Philip, welcome to the show. I know you don't have a lot of time to be with us, so I'm going to let you have the floor and tell us what you think of everything we've talked about up to this moment. There is a point I am getting to, though. Don't go away, guys, because this is all coming up to what something very key here. Uh, just a failure um, in this one game all the way around on little things. Uh, execution when you get a turnover late in the game and you cannot move the ball and get even a first down that's an execution problem when you make <clears throat> questionable decisions to go for three straight onside kicks I that is that. a that is a um, planning or preparation or leadership uh, mistake miscue um, I don't know, Philip. Those kind of miscues, and that's what you wind up with. You wind up losing a playoff game. I don't know, Philip. I woke up this morning thinking exactly what you're saying, and then I watched the replay, and I realized the timing of those onside kicks. The first one was nearly converted and could be said, you could say, hey, you know what? That was a good time to, to attempt an onside kick. And as we discussed a little while ago, the second one, we came on this show last week and praised Coach Fuller of the Cobras for doing the exact same thing that Fred Shaw did. One minute left in the game, you just scored, and you have a, a small lead, and you onside kick so that you, you give yourself a chance to answer their score because you know that time is going to run out, and you hope that if they do score – you're going to have time to go down and still end up with the last possession and the last points of that half because the other team is getting that ball. Coach Filler did it to the Gunslingers one week ago, and we called him a genius for it. And Fred Shaw did it, and everybody is stomping their feet and saying, what the heck was he thinking? The first one you almost got. True. 
And I think that if that is the only one you attempted and you almost got it, and I think everybody leaves it alone. The second one, you're right, in timing, it looks very close to the one that we praised Coach Fuller for, but it is not the first time you're trying it. It is not a surprise. It is not as much of a surprise at that point. It is now expected in on some realm. They, they've been tipped off and they're thinking, they're looking for it. Uh, so the second one, I, I understand, gosh, we got really close. Gee, if we could turn it around and get steal a possession. I get the impulse to go for the second one. The third one to open the half, I've got to be honest. I love uh, Fred Shaw. I love a lot of the decisions he makes, and I come on here regularly and praise him when I really love the way he coaches. Starting the second half with an onside kick is a head-scratching Thing for me. I don't understand now, it. I don't understand why. I don't understand the strategy. I don't get it in I'll that try, situation. Try I just don't. I, I think I explained it before. At that point, we were behind by a score plus. So two scores is where we were. Two possessions behind. They're going to get the ball first. Does it matter where they got the ball? In the case of that, a case of that third one, or uh, the ball ended up at midfield. It ca- it caromed. And we had a shot at that one and just missed it. We had a shot at all three of those onside kicks. And Drew Pearson executed the onside kickball extremely well. And we had the call that we thought the ball was actually touched and deflected, which would have meant that Barnett's taking the ball off the wall was legal. Because if it was mm-hmm. touched, there's your possession or there's your contact. It's a live ball. The kickoff is over after the returning team touches the ball. And we were so – it went to review. I thought we were going to yeah. get it on review because it did seem like it might have. But it was on the camera side. They saw it. It wasn't like on the backside where I was sitting. <sighs> yeah. I understand both Ralph's point yeah. and Phillip's point. On the on on the onside kick uh, to start I'll, the third the, the the second half. That's the one that I can kind of question, but I understand the reasoning behind it. Now looking back at it, though, I don't I can't fault the first one. I think it was a well timed attempt, and it was almost executed. And I and and knowing the circumstance and the strategy and realizing, wait a minute, I wasn't even thinking about the time and the strategy behind that. I can't fault the second one either. I have to say. Yesterday, I was completely of a different state of mind. But today, after thinking about it and we rewatching the game, I can't fault the first or the second attempt. The third one is the one that I have a question mark, but I get both sides. Kevin, and, and the third one, again, we if we managed to deny them on that onside kick and we recovered it and took away their opening possession, now we're only trailing by one score and one possession. We only uh, need If one. you do something with the possession. Right. And let's just say we did. And then the interception in the end zone, and we did again, we would be looking forward to a championship game in Jacksonville. We were chasing. We were behind. We had lost three games in a row, two in a row to these guys, we came in with a chip on our shoulder against an 8-0 home record. I just, yeah, I mean. I feel uh, the emotions got better uh, better than the execution. That's just my opinion. But I think that's what the issue was. 
and that's where that's where that's part of where I'm going with this RC. I think you hit it the nail on the head. As I said earlier, that turning point in the game where Coach Shaw was livid beside himself on the non-call on uh, for the PI on that fourth down because he knew that was a critical, probably the most critical moment of the game mm -hmm. at that point. And so then he started going uh, from emotion. He went he right. went in in a, an emotional state where he's fighting for his team's life at that point and and exactly. not thinking anymore he's not examining the X's nose so much as is just going to be pure raw emotion. Um he he throws a challenge flag, fails at that. There's no there's no uh, uh illegal defense. From that point forward, you could see a lot more of coach Shaw out on the field coming off uh, off of the sideline with his his uh point where he's supposed to be uh, standing during play. Mm -hmm. He gets warned a couple of times. He gets a penalty because of it. He eventually gets ejected. And right. there's a lot of no calls that's coming from these referees and this officiating crew that Ralph was talking about. Uh, we have one right here that Johnny Salazar has been uh, talking about. Johnny, I, I, I'm sorry I, I held off on your series. You're talking about the fumble that hit the wall. We're talking about Kali Rashad trying to make a play. By the way, he's trying to make that play on a return after a defensive stop by the defense because Carolina was held to a field goal. That was a second time that happens in this game. So right. you can give you can give some credit to the defense on playing a better game this this game than they've played in a while sure. because they got the one stop with the interception and they got two. Uh, possessions where they weren't allowing field, uh, touchdowns, they were allowing field goals. So they were they kept the gunslingers within striking distance all the way up to eat into the fourth quarter until things started getting out of a hand. And a lot of it had to do with these missed calls, penalties. Uh, and what Johnny Salazar is re referring to, again, Kali Rashad on a return, coming out trying to make a play. Kali Rashad put so much heart into this game. And he left many, everything out on the field. How many fumbles has Kali Rashad had this year? Uh, that's probably maybe his second. You saw it. You saw the it. the only one. At all this year. Yeah. I, I, I think he might have fumbled once and recovered it. If I, There's I something in my did. brain that says he did that. But so, this is the first fumble he lost. Yes, I totally believe that. But he's trying to make a play. He was drilled in Albany and didn't let go of the ball. Yeah, Rashad's been taking monster hits. All year long, and this was I'm moving to the right. The ball, the, the ball was on the outside. Guy comes over and just gets a bat, and it breaks loose. And Rashad was very close to even recovering that, but it, he was it, all it was over the place. He was, the he was. That went their way. Oh, speaking of him, all over the place. So I'm up there on my perch watching this game. To the left, there's two people that are buying tickets that might be the first game they've ever been to. And they say, who is that number five? Because he is clearly the best athlete on the whole field, either side. These are Carolina fans talking. And they're saying, wow, yeah, we've been to NFL games, but this is way more exciting than NFL and way more interesting. Yep. And, and, and part of that was the performance of Kyler Rashad, how exciting he is when he gets a hold of the ball. So and, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I can't throw, for the year that Kali has given us, I can't really blame him for the one oh, time. I don't think nobody is no. blaming He him. left everything yeah. on the field. It just it, hurt so much that it hurt that it occurred 
in this game at that moment. And and Johnny's po- posing the question of since the ball hit the wall on a fumble, is that considered going out of uh is is that is that a dead ball at that point? No. Or is that still a live ball? That's what he's asking. Right. Well, the deal is on a kickoff, the wall is dead. But once the receiving team has the ball, has possession, which Rashad clearly did, the kickoff is over and we're back to a return. And on a return, the walls are live like they are normally. Yep. Okay. So I want to talk to Hector's uh, comment here and, and then address the comment uh, from Carrie earlier, uh, taking risks. Hector says Hector Garcia, a member of the OG three, by the way, welcome Hector. It's good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah. Taking risks in games are a big part of the game. Sometimes a game plan works for the best and sometimes it backfires. Regardless, the team should have their heads up high for a great season. They'll bounce back. I agree. I agree with that. You go from what was it? Uh, four and eight, to eight and four, a playoff berth, you lose in the playoffs. It, it's a good season. It still hurts the way it ended because it's still a disappointing season because the expectation was in San Antonio, in that organization from the top down, championship. That was yeah. the expectation. Not let's make the playoffs, not let's have a good run. We're winning a championship. Don Rackler himself at, at last year's end of the season party talked to me and said, we're winning a championship next year. I promise you that. And I just kind of laughed and said, yes, sir. And he goes, no, 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 no. I'm not just saying that just to say it. We're going to win a championship next year. He fully believed that. And he did everything. And the organization organization did everything they could to make that happen. And they fell short. They fell short. So as proud of we are as this team and as proud as these guys should be of the season they had, that doesn't make it any less disappointing because – Everybody in the in that organization, all the players, coaches, everyone that has anything to do with the team, they they had they understood what the goal was. They understood what the mission was, and it didn't happen. And they believed in it. As Robert Seco, he's part of the organization here who puts out that absolutely phenomenal content yes. every week. The videos it puts together, the hype videos, I believe. We Everyone all in the organization we believed. Believe. We believed as fans, which yes, is why did. this kind of hurts all the much more but, and is, is disappointing. But let's look around the landscape of this league and let's realize that had the league itself retained its shape, let's say, all the way through the year, the gunslinger's position in the league would have been very different. Now, that There's sounds more, like I'm making excuses. Two, two more wins. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not making excuses. Everybody had opportunities at all of these free agents, but every other week this season was the Wild Wild West free agency week. Um, and it happened every other week, it seemed like, with all of these issues with Albany and then Fayetteville, and teams got better. Uh, you can't. You can't say, well, that's the whole reason. That's the whole reason right there that the gunslingers aren't the champion. No, they had the opportunities just like everyone else did, but realize that the Jacksonville Sharks do not look like the Jacksonville Sharks without Sam Castronova. And that happened because of Albany and the implosion in Albany. So much changed this year around the gunslingers. And maybe they didn't 
make the right decisions to change with this league. I don't really blame them. Who's ever dealt with a year like that before where every other week you're having these huge dumps of players? Yeah, teams just just uh, uh, folding. I mean, honestly, guys, everyone here, if if the Gunslingers end up playing Fayetteville, the Mustangs, towards the end of the season like they were supposed to, do you, do you think uh, – I believe that one of that game – was ended up being replaced by having to play the shark, uh, the uh, the cobras, the cobras, right? Yeah, it did. So, do you, do you think that was a win for the gunslingers and then automatically home field advantage in this game? Well, if they play who's originally on the schedule, you have to factor in Albany. We were we were also supposed to play Albany, and, and at yep. that point, before Albany completely ceased to exist, they were nowhere near the team that we beat in the last second in Albany. And that was looking like a win on the schedule. Fayetteville, yeah, would have been a good team, but they'd have had to have come here to beat us. Yep. And yes, I love what Kendrick Ings has done for us. I really do. And I, I hope he's with us next year. Uh, but we, you know, Rakeem Cato would have still been the quarterback. And what happened to Rakeem Cato? I don't know. But he was not a factor. Yes, uh, it, it, Caleb chimes in. Please put Caleb up there. Yes, we beat Albany when Albany was the defending championship yep. team, not what it was after yeah. week four. I mean, really, yep. when you step back to that week, that Albany week where we won on a last-second game, if the league retains its shape that it had in that moment that we all expected it to retain all the way through the year, how different does this season look for the gunslingers? And can yeah. you really blame a front office and football operations guys when they dealt with literally the wild, wild west every right. other week when it came to free agency? I, I mean, in hindsight, we can go, well, there are things we could have done better. At the time, we all sat right here on this show and said, hey, I like the team we have. Let's roll with that. Right. And, and I got to say this. Okay, how long has this iteration of the Gunslingers been around? One whole season. After five games, no, the team, the team name has been around with Coach Shaw as the coach, but the organization behind the team. It, we're new. We're, we're learning. Last year, it was survival mode. This year, we're getting better at doing things. But we are still a young, growing, and especially learning organization. I got to go here real soon, but I wanted to close out the, uh, the quote that should be coming out in the press release. The Gunslingers look forward to many exciting changes as the team applies all of the lessons learned in 23 and 24 to make 20 or in 22, 23 to make 24's results even better for the fans, for the team, and for the league. San Antonio Gunslingers want all their fans and the rest of the league to know that they are not relaxing this offseason. They're reloading. Aha! Love it. Love it. Love it. Yes. Thank and you. I and I guess I need to leave after that one because mic drop. Mic drop. Uh, what else did Ralph? you say? Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Ralph. Thank you, Ralph, Ralph. for everything. Uh, appreciate that insight and appreciate uh, what you brought what you brought to us. And uh, we'll talk soon, buddy. Have a good night, y'all. Good night. Hey, Guns up. So, Philip, 
RC. All this comes up, and, and that's why I've been trying to have telling people, please stay with us because there's a contingent of fans that are of the opinion of this is a second in the league. Look at all of what happened. Uh, you know, it, it was a difficult to be successful and achieve the mission with all of that said. No one was expecting any of this. Um, and so they're kind of giving, you know, a pass on it. It, it hurts. But they're they're not they're not they're not calling for blood. And then there's another contingent of fans that are pounding the desk and saying change has to happen and this is unacceptable. And you know, and 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 Carrie <clears throat> brings up a question that a lot of people from that side say, "What happened to the team? You lose four games in a row. There has to be answers for that. There there has to be some accountability." Um. And that's why ultimately I will come out and say, and I don't know anything. I'm just a fan, just like all of you Everybody guys, except else. for some of the, the players that are here wa uh, watching and, and joining us, which again, thank you. I'm just a fan. So I know nothing. Um, but I will say I am worried for Coach Shaw because, because of that, because of that slide that end of season four games loss, everything he's doing is under a microscope. Mm -hmm. Everything he's doing is being analyzed and criticized and, and, and he's taking a lot of criticism, some deservedly so and others maybe not so deservedly. Um, and so I am worried about what the future holds for this this team as far as uh, leadership involved and, and, and Coach Fred Shaw. I'm not going to speculate on what might happen because I don't have any information. Nothing's been put out there yet. Um, right. But I will say I do know that there are fans that are very upset and, and definitely think it's time for a change, and there are fans that take a step back and say, well, we went – from four, four and uh, eight in our first season in the NAL to second season, you know, eight and five made the playoffs despite all of, of the obstacles and everything that they had to deal with. Um, and yeah, it should have been better, but you know, they're, they're still ready to tweak a few things and, and, and roll with what we have. I, I don't know what the decision is going to be, but I will say, it's in question. I got a foot in both camps here. I'll be really honest. And I love Coach Fred Shaw. I made that clear at the beginning of the season. And nothing has changed. But I'll be really honest. I see two different sides to this. Because I see a coach that took you from 4-8 and eight to 8-4. Eight mm -hmm. and four. Right. That is yep. not a small thing. That is not a small thing. Having that kind of turnaround in a season is a big deal. Think of all of your football teams that you've ever followed in your life and think about that kind of swing. But he's also the same coach and coaching staff, the same leadership, I guess you could say, took us from eight and one to eight and five. And you cannot discount that. You cannot right. step back and go, well, you know, things happen. That's we needed to win one of the last four games. One. One Just of one. Just one. And things and things look vastly different, and we couldn't manage that. And in a lot of ways, it becomes quicksand because you lose one, and it's like, ah, that's not a huge deal. And then you lose two, and you start wringing your hands a little bit, and then you lose three, 
and now you have to go into a playoff game in somebody else's house. Um, but I understand both sides of the fans here. I understand the fans that are like, hey, this was an improvement over last year. We're growing. We're building the right direction. I get that. I understand that. I also understand the fans that are pounding the table and said, this is untenable and has to change. Um, my question is, what would have satisfied? If, if you're pounding the table, what would have satisfied you? Because a lot of the folks that I hear pounding the table have been pounding the table for a very long time for a lot of other reasons that they did not like the leadership around this team. And now they're able to give voice to it with eight and five and out in the, the on-field results. The yeah. Right. Yeah. But they yeah. were upset before any of that happened. They didn't like something about Coach Fred Shaw before that. And now they're pounding the table. So I understand both sides of the argument. And I get anybody that says either one. I just have to step back and question motivation a little bit and say, if you're pounding the table and say, hey, this guy's got to go and we need the big question is, if you're one of those folks that says, hey, he's got to go, tell me who you're replacing him with. Because Coach Fred Shaw has connections to players in the league. We talked to Kendrick Ings less than a month ago on this show, and he said the reason that he signed with the San Antonio Gunslingers was Coach Fred Shaw. Do you have that. another coach like that that has that kind of connection in this league and around these players that can reach out to a free agent that hits the market unexpectedly and bring him to San Antonio? Are you sure? Are you sure you have somebody waiting in the wings that can do that kind of stuff? Because if you don't, you may hurt this team by losing Fred Shaw more than you help this team. Yeah, and, and the other thing that doesn't get mentioned, Philip, is, um, and I agree with you 100%, if you're going to bring in somebody, he better be somebody that you know is going to be a, a, a big improvement and that you know is going to have connections and be able to help this team and be able to get guys – that believe in him guys to sure. believe in him and, and follow him into battle. Um, but the other thing that I don't think gets mentioned a lot is before coach Shaw was the head coach of the San Antonio gunslingers. How many teams was he the head coach of head coach? None that I know. Of. Yeah. Zero. This is yeah. coach Fred Shaw's. This is coach Shaw's second year as a head coach. And he went from four and eight, Coach of the year, a team that nobody wanted to play at the end, to eight and four, his second year as a head coach in the NAL with all that other crap that happened and True, teams right. teams buying, you know, basically buying their 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 rosters midseason and having to deal with all that and not having 10 coaches on his staff and stuff like that. If you step no. back and take a look at the big picture, is it really fair? To, to hold him accountable for, for this this slide. There's definite slide there, and and there's people that say yes, and there's people that say no. And I'm just presenting all the facts. Now, one thing I would love to see Coach Shaw do next season, if he's still part of the Gunslingers organization, is uh, fill out that coaching staff a little more. Yes. Share the load. You had Jay Rich this year, and I think Jay Rich did a great job, and I think Coach Shaw did. I think both of those guys did everything they could, everything they knew how to get this team where we all wanted it to go. I would just like to see them bring on another one or two guys that can help carry that load a little further. Um, I agree. I, I would really like to see that. 
I see some conversation going on in the chat that I want to address really quickly, and this is all I'm going to say about it. I see somebody saying, hey, I hear we're going to the IFL. And then I hear see somebody else saying, no, San Antonio and Jacksonville are staying in the NAL. And I'm seeing both of those. And I will tell you right now, I, I have lots of ears out everywhere. The one thing and the only thing I know for sure is that we will have San Antonio Gunslinger football next year. But if you ask me right now, where that's going to be, with what teams, who's coming to the NAL, who's not, where are we going to be? I have no idea on any of that. So if you have better information than me, I would be surprised because I've got pretty good connections. And I will tell you that I have no idea. It could be any one of those things. And it's not important. We're going to finish out this season. This season isn't done yet. There's still a championship game, and I know we're not playing in it, but that means that the league is still operating. The league is still moving forward. Good sign. Yep. I was just talking with Philip or texting with Philip earlier today and saying this is the first time I've been uh, or, or around or know of an organization that we have assurances that I believe will be playing next year. But what league? Which coaches, you know, what players right. are up in the air? Everything else, we don't know diddly. Like we got we 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 don't know at this point, and we won't know for for some time, but we know that the gunslingers will be back. And wherever they're they are, their intention is to be playing and competing for a championship in that league, whichever league that yep. might be. And and I'm I'm happy with that. Um one thing I'm I'm gonna just to backtrack just a bit here because I think this is a good question. Kerry Bryant White, do you all think that Coach Rich had some say in getting those Albany players here to San Antonio? Um, Yeah, I think so. I think so, but I can also we can also say this about Coach Shaw. We've talked to players on this show like Kendrick Ings and when we asked him the reason for him coming to San Antonio, what did he say, Philip? It's about it, Coach Fred Shaw, the reason was, he came here. Mm-hmm. Full stop. He didn't say yep. one of the reasons. He said the reason I came to San Antonio yep. was to work with Coach Fred Shaw. And, and we've talked to both on the show and privately other players, uh, and and they've you know had great things to say about Coach Shaw and how much they believe him. Best coach I've ever had in my life from some of these players. So we as fans that see this kind of stuff going on and we're questioning – and I'm not saying you're wrong because it, it's it's tough to swallow that that four game slide and being eight and one, then all of a sudden you're eight and five. Mm-hmm. I understand it, I get it, but I'm I'm wondering if if we're if if we're if we need to be asking the questions that we're asking at this point. I don't know, but I certainly Look, am worried for Coach Shaw because his his future here is is not guaranteed as far as I see it right now because of the the situation. But is it fair? But- Look, if you're going to be a fan of any professional sports franchise, do you have to get used to ending years disappointed? Very rarely are you fans of the New England Patriots or the the Los Angeles Lakers, and you can just hold up championship after championship after championship. Um, Most seasons are going to end, and you're going to feel like, gosh, we could have done more. And you can't end every season and go, well, fire everybody. Get rid of every coach. Get rid of every player. Change leagues. 
That's ridiculous. Right. That's a and ridiculous like Lily's, way to think. Like Lily's had said earlier, she cried. A lot of us have a definite connection with the team, you know, and that's not going to change. You know, the players may change, the coaches may change, but our fandom towards them and our loyalty, and we do believe in them, is going to stay. And I know we don't know what league and all that. That to me doesn't matter because I'm still going to support the team. Michael Wayne Davis says that's the Anthony, uh, that's the Antonio Brown approach. Yep. I lost the game. Get rid of everybody. Fire the quarterback, fire the head coach. Let me go get a new head coach that nobody's ever heard of. That's never coached in the arena league, uh, an arena league or indoor team. um, And that'll be better. Maybe we just have to stay the course. Maybe we have to go into next season with coach Fred Shaw and Arvell Nelson and, get two years with this group under our belt. Um, Maybe there's not a magic fix, a magic coach and a magic quarterback that's going to win you a championship. There was so Uh, much change in the league itself. Like we talked about before, it it affected everybody. Every team was affected by that. Three teams left. Definitely. Three teams. Yep. When has that ever happened? Yep. Definitely extenuating and difficult circumstances for the gunslingers and Coach Shaw and all the players and everyone involved this year. Um, that made it a, a weird year. A, a, a weird year. It did. Um, with a disappointing end if you're a gunslingers fan and if you're a member of the organization. Um, but I don't know where they go from here. And 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 none of us know the only this this is a decision, you know, deciding where they're gonna play. Uh, who's going to be playing for them and who's going to be coaching. That's that's not our decision. And the people whose decision it is, uh, they've got they've got some tough decisions to make uh, over the next uh, who knows how long. It might be something immediately immediate. It might be something that takes some time. Um, but I would want to be in their shoes um, because I, I understand, but I also question whether we should be so quick to pull the trigger, especially, and and like I said, I'm putting myself out there. I'm saying, hey, I did that. I'm admitting it, and now I think I was wrong. After the game on Saturday, and um, yesterday, I didn't get I didn't get a chance to watch the game yesterday. I have had a very busy weekend. I was with a mindset. I can't believe he. I can't believe we did that. What happened? Three consecutive onside kicks. Um, it's it seems desperate. That that's a sign of desperation. But you know what? As as Ralph said, there was reasons to be desperate in this game. Definitely. And I don't necessarily question the decisions anymore after going back and thinking about it and reviewing the game and watching. And they were in striking distance in all the way into the fourth quarter when the wheels fell off, and the wheels fell off, I think. Because, and this is where I think Coach Shaw fell short. He let his emotions get the better of him. That's true. I and that that's earlier. where I think the other coaching staff, the, the, the veteran coaches on the other sideline, I think they took advantage of that. I think they knew what they were doing. And I think the officials didn't do anything to help his situation Not with the all. non-calls. That last non-call uh, in the end zone of P.I. on uh, Juice Robinson, that Philip Barnett was beside himself. Juice didn't even get the penalty, even though he was the one that was being held. Philip Barnett got the penalty. 
which caused Shaw to just go livid because, I mean, he's fighting for his guys. Like, how are you going to call my guy on a penalty when he's fighting for what's right because you missed a blatantly obvious call right in front of your face? I get it. But as a head coach, you got to understand to not let that sort of stuff get the best of you because it affects you. It affects how you run your team. It affects how you manage the game. And that's where I think Coach Shaw has some lessons to be learned in particular um, in this last uh, part of the season. I think other coaches took advantage of that fact, and especially in this game. Now, we're talking a lot about missed calls and no calls. I want to make sure everybody understands you cannot ever blame a loss on the officials. No. There was there was missed execution here. We got that turnover in the fourth quarter. I believe it was in the fourth quarter. Was it late third or early fourth quarter that we got the interception in the end zone, Leo? Uh, that was in the uh, third quarter, late third. Okay. If we score with the ball, the fourth quarter is just completely up for grabs. It is it is a one-point game or a tie game, depending on what happens with the point-after-induce opportunities. Um, it is a one-point game or a tie game going into the fourth quarter, and everything's up for grabs. Um, you cannot blame the officials. There were a lot of calls that just felt like Carolina got the the easy no call or the easy call, but you can't at the end of the day leave it in the officials' hands, especially on the road. You've got to execute all the way through, and we missed on that. That's on us. That's on our team. That's not on the referees. Nope. You're, you're absolutely right. You're, you're 100% right. Um you can't put the games or the blame on the officials' hands, but you can control how you handle questionable how you react to it. Exactly yes. how you react to it. But it's yes. hard. And the, the emotions run high. You get you're getting beat by the officials. You feel like you're playing the other team. You're behind, and now the officials aren't giving you the calls you think should be there as you try to battle your way back in the game. And emotions get the best of you. I don't like my head coach getting thrown out of the game ever. No, but I understand it. Like he's he's frustrated. Emotions got the best of him. I don't fault Coach Shaw for that. Um, I was pretty upset in that moment myself, and uh, I might have gotten thrown out of the game too. Real honestly. Yeah, no doubt. I I understand and I get it. Um, I think more so to my point. I'm talking about the arguing prior to that with the referees the constant arguing and and stepping a little bit into the gray area of what he's allowed to do where he's allowed to stand um and i'm sure what he's saying to the refs because of the emotions that he was having um that can affect their human beings too and that can affect the way they officiate and i, I think that's sure. something as a professional you have to understand and and sometimes kind of reel yourself in a little bit just just to not put yourself at a more of a disadvantage. Um, but that that's that's what we saw. Um, Cobras took the game fair and square. It wasn't because of the yep. officiating. Right. The, the, the gunslingers the had opportunities, and they lost the game. People are pointing to different reasons why. Um, I think a large contingency is, is pointing to the three consecutive onside kicks. I was one of those. And Coach Shaw 
Coach Rich, all the Gunslinger players uh, involved. This is me saying I was one of those, and I apologize because now I think I was wrong. I was one of those, and I still feel like there was probably better ways to handle possessions there around the half than uh, attempting onside kicks. And let me tell you why. I didn't get a chance to say this when Ralph was on the air, but when you try three straight onside kicks as you're going you know, around the half like we did, to me, sitting at home, it sent a signal that your coach doesn't trust your defense. He's trying to manufacture an extra possession because he's not sure if his defense can get him the ball back. That's the way I read it, and I could be wrong. Like That could just be uh, Phillip's opinion. It, it is Phillip's opinion. But that's how it read to me at home is he's not sure his defense could do what he needs his defense to do. And so he's trying to manufacture an extra possession. That's that's what Raul Navas was was uh, uh, commenting earlier and kind of pointing at, and I understand that side of it. But at the same time, maybe he's just trying to make something happen. His back's against the wall, and he's trying to make something happen. The defense didn't play that bad this game. They had no. one stop, and they had two st- uh, red zone stops, um, as uh, as was mentioned earlier by Kevin Lewis, there were field goals instead of, instead of a uh, touchdowns. Right. It's the been a long time since higher. gunslingers have done something like that. They, right. they kept the gunslingers in position to win this game as, as they should have. Um, and it just, it just didn't happen. And it kind of, the wheels fell off on that possession after the interception and they could not uh, capitalize on it. But when you look at the plays, it was just the perfect storm of what are you going to do? Uh, uh, bad execution. of I mean, a snap, that's execution. So it was a bad snap. Arvell Nelson just handles that the way he can and falls forward to gain a yard. Second right. second down, uh, the, batted, the batted pass. Is that a poorly thrown ball or is that a, a, a good play by the defensive lineman? Who knows? That goes either way. Right. Uh, right. Third down, a, a heck of a play by the defensive lineman gets a sack or a missed assignment by the offensive lineman. Again, whichever way you want to look at it. But that's just like one, two, three, bang, 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 wasted possession. But is that a coach's fault? Right? And then fourth down, if it wasn't for a bad non-call, you actually convert and have a chance to score. It just it wasn't the gunslinger's day. I, I can't sit here and say, oh, man, the gunslingers uh, really laid an egg. They didn't. They didn't play no. to win. They they, they went out, out. They played. They got beat. It happened. They got beat. Yep. On 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 uh, the Cobras home, home field in a playoff game, and we all know the history there. We talked about it. Right. Hundred yep. percent. Right. Hundred percent. Now I have a conundrum, and I need you guys to help me figure it out because on Saturday night. I will be in Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena. And I don't know what to do. Jacksonville, Carolina, who uh who do I throw my support behind now that the gunslingers won't be there? Carolina. I don't know what to do. Carolina, Carolina. really? Really? The team that beat really? you is the champion that that, you know, if I'm gonna lose to somebody, let's just swallow lost, a little better. I lost to the champion and yeah. Point two, Carolina doesn't cheat. Wow, that's, that's true. 
Carolina's does not cheat. I can't say that about Jacksonville. They decided, their head coach decided at one point this year, and we're not going to let that go. We said we wouldn't, and we won't. Their head coach decided that I'm going to go outside of the rules because that's better. The penalty for going outside of the rules is preferable to allowing the touchdown. That just is disgusting to me. So I can't root for him. No question, Carolina. Fair point. I mean, fair point. I do like Sam Castronova. I like some of those guys over there on the Jacksonville side. I will probably be hanging out with my buddy Jim Bernay, who's a big Jacksonville Sharks fan. Um, So it'll be tough um, to voice support for Carolina in Vice Star Ventures Memorial, but I think you're right. I think you have to hope. Um, that it's Carolina. And I'm a big, I like Zach Brown. Like, I like Zach Brown a lot. Yes. Like, I like that guy a lot. Whatever you do, wear a gunslinger's jersey. Yeah. That's, that's true. I plan. like that. Yes. That's the plan. In fact, I think it'll be this one I'm wearing right now. So. Oh, okay. We did not, I don't think we talked about this on the show. Co- correct me if I'm wrong, Philip, but didn't we at one point talk about or, um, or, or we did talk about this, but I don't know if we talked about it on the show. If things had went the way the gunslingers wanted, if things had gone to plan, and the gunslingers were hosting a home championship game against the very one in the same Jacksonville Sharks, there was going to be a certain um, prop. That was going to be in the end zone at the Smoking Guns podcast table. Did we did did we ever talk about this on the show? I'm not sure we did. We had worked out the ability, and we won't say who was going to help us. No, uh, but we had worked us. out the <laughs> we had worked out the ability to get a life size cutout of Jason Gibson reaching over the wall uh, and posted up in our. Smoking guns box right on the corner of the end zone, just like uh, where he was when he interfered with the game. Uh, that is something that you would have seen in the championship game against Jacksonville had we been able to make that happen. Um, unfortunately, that's not, not the not, way things ran. Not to be, but I'm really wishing we had we had the foresight to see this situation and know that you were going to be at the game there. I know I think it would be it would be just as awesome for that prop to make an appearance at the championship game in Jacksonville. Jordan, are you listening? Too little, too late. (laughs) Too little, too late. I'm already on the road. Getting you're already there. Really difficult. But wow, would that have been something? Not meant to be. Maybe next year. Not <laughs> meant to be. Well, it look, it's not the end of the season that we want, but like I mentioned a few minutes ago, so many times you're going to end seasons the way you don't want to end. You're just not going to win a championship every year. And look at the history of this team. We played in a small, rinky-dink, little league three years Barn. ago. Barn. Very very nearly won the West championship and got a chance to play for the championship game. We moved up into a much better league and a much better situation and took our lumps last year. This year we end with a winning record 
and a playoff berth, things are trending the right direction. They are. Um, yes. It's not the way we, we all thought we could we could win a championship. And I think that there is uh, a version of this team out there in the millions of universes that did, that did win a championship. Um, just not ours, you know? Not a barn. It was a rodeo arena, Hector says, RC. It's not a barn. Hey, you know what, Hector? I wouldn't give up that year for anything. It was it was, no, it was a lot of fun. It was an it amazing was great, experience. It was a very oh, yeah. fun year. It was that the birth of all yes. of this. So uh we don't know what the future holds. I, I'm I'm honest with you when I tell you I have no idea what the future holds. If we found out next week. Uh, that everything was changing radically around the gunslingers and everything you you've known about the gunslingers would be totally different next season. Wouldn't be shocked me at all. I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest, but if you told me we're going back to the NAL and Columbus and West Texas and uh, Orlando are coming back and we're adding in teams from some other league, it, that wouldn't surprise me either. Like all yeah. of those things are possibilities right now. Yep. And uh, I just know I'm going to be behind the gunslingers wherever they end up. Yep. Absolutely. 100%. Guns up now and forever until it's, it's not a thing anymore, but it's still a thing. Still here. Still a as, thing. Uh, yeah. One still of our, here. one of our uh, cohorts likes to say on another podcast. Uh. RC, you're you're doing something special here in the next few weeks. Yeah, um, next weekend actually, this coming up weekend, we're doing the fans for fans. Um, we're already and and I say this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, Greg Nelson. Already made a hundred dollar donation for the fans within the first hour of posting it on Facebook. So we are collecting uh, money um, through Venmo, and then we're also collecting fans. It'll be this uh, Saturday on the twelfth coming up at Walmart. On Days of All and I-10, it's pr pretty centrally located. And we'll be there from 10 to 12, uh, Leo and I, collecting box fans. I know if you go to Walmart, even if you go to CBS, Walgreens, they have the box fans for like $10, $12, And mm -hmm. those fans are going to go a long way. We'll be collecting them and donating them to the um, Catholic Charities. And they have a program called Program Cool, where they will be providing those fans to needy families. So again, we thank you for if you've already donated. If not, we hope to get monetary donations. Or again, we're going to be collecting the fans Saturday the twelfth at the Walmart on um, I ten and Days of Allah between ten and twelve. Yep, all uh, of that information is available. Go ahead. I was just saying you mentioned the 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 Venmo. If if they're not able to make it, and they can Venmo to that address that we have posted on the page, right. And we'll take those funds and we will go in that Walmart and yep. purchase some um, the fans. Yeah, and all of that is available on our social media, specifically on our Facebook. I don't know yes. if it's made it over to our other social media yet, but uh, if you're watching us, you're probably very familiar with our Facebook page. Um, and that will be where you can Venmo if you're able to. Uh, you guys got a chance to go out to the school supply drive that they hosted that the uh, Horns Forward podcast. Yeah, we sure and did. The Rama's fans uh, page put together. How'd that go? Yeah, the Horns Ford guys put together a really successful event. It looked like I could not stay that long because I had some errands to run before getting to the watch party. 
Um, but there was a, a lot of people there, a lot of the uh, the normal uh, Brahma faithful. You had Robert Rankin, you know, a dirty Toro there. Uh, you had Warren and his crew and um, uh, Jay and, you know, of course, uh, everyone from the, yeah, everyone from the, uh, the podcast itself. And most importantly, the donation table. When I went over there to, 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 to drop off the donations that, that I was taking, I was blown away by the response that they got. It, it, it looked like a little store. They had so mm -hmm. much stuff there, tablets and backpacks and pencils and pins and erasers. They had, they had all kinds of stuff there. And, um, I was proud of what they were doing there. Just seeing that I can imagine how, how proud they felt that, that, that was awesome. And, and kudos to them for putting together a really successful and great event. Yeah, I was there like about maybe an hour after Leo was there. Um, I was still working on that Saturday, but I took my little lunch break to go out there. Um, and I guess everyone had the same idea I did and brought like yellow folders, yellow notebooks to kind of go with the theme black and yellow. So that was pretty cool. We saw Brahma Babe out there. I saw Jackie Martinez. Um, she sang beautifully, I saw on Facebook. Um, they had the 360 camera. So that was lots of fun. I also saw James Carr from um, the uh, the Brahma's uh, organization, the ticket sales. So quite a few people out there. Jason was out there, Brahma Bay, Brahma Rose. And I think even Nicole what? wants to start Brahma Doll. So, hey, so all those Brahma fans, I love it. I love the interaction. Great event, great cause. And hopefully all these uh, supplies are going to go to these needy families out there so they can start the, the new year great and school year and get educated. And learn a lot. So thank you for that. Thank you for the Horns Forward podcast. Yes. Number five. Yay, we love you. My favorite Tell football player on the planet. <laughs> hey, if Kali Rashad got signed by the uh, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, what would you do? <laughs> Why did you Or the Raiders. If he Why? went to the Las Vegas Raiders, how would that feel? Why would you say something like this, Philip? Why? I'd still Why cheer him on. To me? I would still cheer him on. That's oh, what I would do. Kali Rashad. Kali. Not the ending we wanted, <laughs> but I hope we made y'all proud. We uh, did. We are, we are proud to be a part and be around this organization, no matter what the final outcome is. That's kind of the whole theme of this episode was no matter what the outcome is, guns up. Um, we're excited about the future for this team, uh, whatever that looks like. Absolutely. And to answer your question, Philip, since you posed it so unfairly, I would root for my Broncos, but every time Kali Rashad had the ball in his hands, I would root for that man. Kali Rashad, my favorite player on the planet. Every right. time the ball was in his hands, Something I would happened. be proud of what he was doing, even if it's against my beloved Broncos. There. I love you. There you go. Well, Gunslinger season is over. It is. I'm sad. It is. And it no is No more sad. cowbells. No more chickens. And we've got a few months before the Brahmas. Mm-hmm. Yes. So soon, our weekly hangout times, our weekly times podcasting with you guys are going to go on hiatus. Not yet. 
I think we've got a couple of more left in us. At, at least I seem to, I, I kind of feel like it. Mm -hmm. um, I promised and I want Robert Seco to come on the show uh, right. sometime before we wrap up this season. I would, Kali says, hey, if I wound up against the Broncos, I'd take it easy on them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kali. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. See, gotta love the guy. How can you not love that guy? Abel mm -hmm. Garcia says, can I still blame AB? Yes, we can always blame yeah, him. Yeah, let's Antonio all blame Bryant. him. Always. It's all his it's fault. all his fault. Always. <laughs> he screwed up the year for everybody. Yep, definitely, 100%. But that was season 2023. We're looking forward to season 2024. The players are coming on and telling us that they're looking forward to what's next. Not the ending they wanted, but... Uh, they they honestly put everything they they had out on the field to represent San Antonio, the two one zero, and we are proud of them for what they did. Very Absolutely proud. to yeah. the last guy, everyone on that team, everyone that set on the field that set foot on the field this year for the San Antonio Gunslingers, we're proud of you. We appreciate what you did. We are big fans, emotionally invested. Like Loli said earlier, she was crying when it was over. Mm -hmm. She literally did cry. I can tell everyone she cried. She said she, she, once everyone left, it was kind of funny because she didn't cry in front of anybody. But once we left the watch party, she started crying in the car and she said, I've been holding this in this whole time. I wanted to cry Aww. for like the last 40 minutes. And I was like, well, why didn't you? She's like, I don't want anybody to see me crying. And I was like, that's okay. You don't have to fight back tears because people are there. They, they understand. They're feeling the same thing you feel. You might have exactly. just started a big mass cry. It would have been something cool. We could have put on video. Robert Seco was there. <laughs> and video. Right. Live. <laughs> but, yeah, they definitely gave it, as, as Jordan Stu being here, all these guys gave it all they had, and they did, and we know that, and we appreciate it, and we thank Everybody you. Everybody around really this do. organization all year long did. Um, nobody held anything back. It just, you don't win them all. You can't win them all. It wouldn't be any fun if you did. It Let's be really be. honest. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I know. I hate if Hey, Arlington. Yep. Join us. We're, 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 we're sharing a moment here in our sadness over the, the end of, uh, the gunslingers NAL uh, run in 2023. It was a good ride, though. It was. It was I'm sorry. It was good season, and we've got good a, memories. Another good t-shirts. We right all got a lot corner. of jerseys. Our bank uh, account is a little bit lower than usual, but hey. Right. Yep. I got the uh, the target acquired. I, I don't know if the jersey was the target or if I was the target. <laughs> They're going to let's get Leo with another one, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> awesome stuff. We wear them proudly and we can confirm that fans from other organizations in the NAL are jealous of us uh, because of the cool stuff that we get all, all this, uh, all this gear and swag that they're not a privy to because they don't have a Jordan Steubing like we do. The one Abel, Abel Garcia. <laughs> We didn't go out like no Orlando. Did I tell y'all last week there was no chance Orlando was going to beat Jacksonville? None. Zero. Yeah, 
And man, that was ugly. That was ugly, ugly. A quarterback refusing to take the field for his team in a playoff game. Yeah. Not good. Yeah, that's crazy. That's something that would not happen in this organization, I don't think. Mm -mm. I don't think so either. You have more class. I don't think so either. So, well, so we're cheering for the Cobras. Yeah. Right. I'm certainly cheering for the Cobras. And I can't wait to come on here next week and give you guys an idea of what championship uh, uh, context looks like in the NAL. Because uh, I'll get to be there, even though the gunslingers didn't make it. Smoking guns are going to the That's championship. Exciting. At least part of us are. Part of us, yep. One third. And so I can't wait to jump jump in here next week. I'll still be in Florida, but I'll jump on. Talk to you guys about the championship game. Everybody's watching, right? Like we're not giving up on the season just because we're not there to see the end, right? We're you watching. Still watch the championship game, right? I yes, will watch the game. About. Yes, yes. Good. We we will we will watch it and we will talk about it on the next show and we will talk about any other gunslingers news that we have or any uh, Brahma's news because some more of that's going to be coming out now. And we'll talk about yep. how many fans we collected. And how many donations we collected. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, get out there and donate uh, some fans if you can get by Dizavala and uh, drop them off with RC on Saturday. If not, hit up the Venmo um, and she'll go buy some fans and donate them to Catholic Charities. And uh, we'll keep some people cool. We talk about it every time we talk about the fan drive, but just imagine what your life would be like without air conditioning, without a way to cool off wherever you are. Uh, Jordan Stubing says, keep an eye out for Gunslinger's online store and jersey drops throughout the offseason. Very cool. Looking forward Love to it. that. Abel Garcia so says he's watching the of. Cowboy preseason game. That was supposed to be our trophy. Can't watch it. Um, I get that. As a football fan... I get it. Yes, I do. I'm sorry that it's the Cowboys you're having to watch, but I get it. Hey. <laughs> hey. Oh, uh, well, it's that time of year again where we're going to start throwing jabs at each other. So For sure. Well, hey, you know. <laughs> my coach didn't do the worst coaching job ever in the history of the sport last year, so You know? <laughs> That's true. That is true. And I'm I'm glad he said it because someone had to. <laughs> That's true. Is is Sean Payton just another version of Mike McCarthy? I don't know, but you know what? We're gonna find out, right? Because Mike McCarthy only has out. one Super Bowl. Yeah. And he can lean on a on a Hall of Fame quarterback that he got it with uh just like sean payton like you start stacking up their careers next to each other and sean payton and mike mccarthy are actually very similar well sean payton has the luxury of coming in and he can back up what he's saying by uh showing you know ha having a different end result with the same guy under center um that uh oh uh what's his name had the last guy 
Nathaniel Hackett. Hackett, who couldn't hack it, obviously. Yeah. Who couldn't hack it. Yeah, he, he has the luxury of he's coming in. We still got another year with uh, Russell Westbrook. Um, Wilson. Without question. Or Russell Westbrook. Russell Wilson, without question. And um, he's got a he's got a chance to back up what he's saying. And if we get the same result, then everyone will look at him and say what you're saying. <laughs> Very well, possible. Well, I will say this. Um, I bought tickets to the Cowboy Lions game on December 30th, which is going to be on a Saturday. And I'm putting it out there right now. I'm hoping to see if I can meet up with Scott Daly and Parker Romo, hopefully. Very cool. The Lions. Alex McSwain says, just when Leo thought his wallet was safe, Jordan goes out and makes announcements like that. Off-season jersey drops. That's why Lolis was crying. She sees more money coming out. Hey, you know what? Lolis was telling people <laughs> at the watch party, because I was getting my jersey, and she was like, oh, you should see Leo's closet. He's got all this gunslinger's gear. It's like you know, 50% gunslinger's gear now. He buys, he buys so much. And she's saying it. As she's wearing the new jersey. That's right. <laughs> and I didn't have to point it out because I would not point that out. I right. Should, I, I should add. I stayed quiet, but she stopped herself and pointed it out herself. She's like, well, okay, yeah, me too. <laughs> and besides well, that, the watch party, did we mention the frozen margaritas with the blackberry and mango? They were delish. I hear they sugar, were good. Sugar on the top. I didn't have drinks. Sounds I, good. I, I kept to iced tea just to stay cool. Um, it was a hot evening, um, but there were four TVs up. There was some areas of shade that you could sit in. Um, you can't throw any kind of shade at the gunslingers for, for the location or they be having to throw that last minute as they did because Alamo, the usual place uh, for the watch party, they were hosting a watch party there for the it's San Antonio Football Club. No, well. There was also a soccer watch yeah. party there too, um, so it was just Alamo was booked, couldn't do it, and so very uh, last minute they organized this. And besides the sun, which you can't do anything about, I, I thought it was a great, uh, it was a great place and a great time. Food was good, drinks were good, as RC said. Staff was great. Uh, the staff was very accommodating and 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 helpful. The only downside was because they had the fight going on inside. They were charging five dollars to be indoors, five dollars, even if you were not watching the fight. So there were some fans that I know of that attempted to go inside to get out of the heat and were turned away. Which mm. um, that, yeah, I don't, I don't like that very much. But I mean, that's that's on the venue. That's not on the gunslingers. I thought it, I sure. thought it was a very, very well put together watch party. We had a good time. There was a good turnout. We just hated the results of the yeah. game. Right. I would agree. Right. Well, we'll be back next week to discuss a championship game. We still got some other folks we want to come on. And I fully expect within uh, the next few weeks, maybe as many as six, that we'll start getting some ideas of what the gunslinger's future holds. <clears throat> um as we head toward the end of the NAL season, is there anything else we need to cover tonight? I don't think about tonight. We just have to see what happens. Championship game that we should have been at. Absolutely. 
Jordan Stuving can... not aware they were going to do that at all. Unacceptable. Ah, they got to make that cover. They got to, they got to, it's they a gotta big make that to money that for game. allowing the, the, the fight on. Yeah. Lots going on on a Saturday night. There was. Yeah, but it was hot. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Alex, Alex McSwain, six shooters for the best dance team of the year. Yes, sir. Yay! There's absolutely no way. Uh, we should see all the awards come out just before the uh, Friday night. All the awards should be announced for the NAL. And I fully expect the, the six shooters to be the dance team of the year. Is there a podcast award? There is not. No. Aww. They'll work on that for next, uh, next time. But last year, if you remember, we were very frustrated that the Orlando Predators fan base got fan base of the year. I wouldn't be surprised to see it go to Jacksonville. They've had huge numbers in their arena all season, uh, and they've just been incredible. But it could also be the Gunslingers fan base because we're second to none. Absolutely. We're smaller, but we, we absolutely support our team in a beautiful way. We, we do. do. And we make lots of noise. Lots of noise, and we wear lots of the merchandise. Lots of noise and lots of merch. Yeah, absolutely. It is truly with all an that amazing. I was just going to say, sorry, just didn't mean to, no, to, to cut in. I was going to say it is truly an amazing experience at each and every home game of the San Antonio Gunslingers, not only because of what the organization does to make it fun, but because of the fans and they turn up and turn out. And even though we're not at the numbers we want to be at, the fans that are there are fully engaged and having a great time and they make it a lot of fun. So uh, we got to give pats on the back to the fan base uh, as well as Philip is saying. Absolutely. And, and I know that somebody mentioned it earlier. I know somebody mentioned it earlier. I know you've gotten to watch as, as I've come on and gone through the show, this beautiful sunset behind me. It's a little different than my normal spot, mm -hmm. but I'm all the way up in North Texas right now. So you've gotten to watch the sunset in Maybank, Texas over my shoulder. That's been a lot of fun. Ownership group of the year. I don't see why not. Alex, I don't see why they couldn't be. They've um, given so much back to the community through all the events. I think that was franchise of the year is what they call that, or, or oh, that's what it was called last year. And I don't see any reason why they couldn't uh, end up garnering that. We'll see what kind of Gunslingers awards come out of this year. Last year, I think we were all surprised at how mm -hmm. many we garnered. This year, I think we might be surprised at how few. Mm. we garner well, well i just I, you know we'll see yep. but i just get the sense that the time when everybody was voting was the time that we were kind of floundering as a team and that never bodes well for your players on your first team and second team selections and those kind of things and so you may see less than you saw last year because last year if you remember at that time we were getting better and we were scary yeah. this year we were faltering and losing four straight so I think you may see that re uh, reflected in the way postseason awards or in-season awards, superlative awards go. Yep. Just to be fair. Just I hope we have an end-of-season party like we did last year. We'll see. I wondered about that. We'll see. Um, if not, I probably shouldn't be saying this on the show, but too late because my brain has already 
transmitted that <laughs> message to my mouth. But uh, Lolis and I have talked about hosting a party here and Yay! maybe having some fans, particularly some uh, patrons, uh, come over Ooh. as as a thank you and members of the team. If you're watching, well, Jordan is here. Jordan um, and others, players, um, if they'd like to come over, this is something that we're talking about. We don't know exactly when we could schedule it, but hopefully we can make that work. Well, Alex Vassane says on Facebook says, well, we know Albany is a game <laughs> franchise of the year. That's true. We can scratch one out. Certainly. <laughs> Very true. Well, with all that being said, uh, football is football no matter where it's played. 50-yard fight, 100-yard field, whether it's in you know Seattle or Salt Lake City, even if it's at a championship game down in Jacksonville. We all know when it comes to football, the 210 has got something to say. Bang, shout bang. Shout out to Vet Tickets. Oh. <laughs> Let's say shout out to Vet Tickets. They, host, they hooked us up with tickets for every game from her mom, yes. for his mom's military service. That's awesome. Yes, that is awesome. Had to, had to throw up that up there when we saw it. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be a nightmare to edit that bang, bang, and... <laughs> Oh, oh no, we're gonna, we're gonna do it again. We're gonna do it right here. Yeah, we'll yeah. do that again. Yeah, we're gonna do it right here. <laughs> when it comes to football, the two one oh, it's got something to say. Bang bang. <laughs>